Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today, we are going to talk to the co-founder of the Elite Advisors Group, Jack Martin, who is also a CFP. We're going to talk today about behavioral stuff that you can do from a marketing perspective and also how you can use longevity as a great conversation to really, truly separate yourself from other advisors down the street. So, Jack, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Matt. Great to be here. Well, let's let's uh, let's dive into the behavioral stuff. This to me is one of the most powerful ways that that we can not only educate but we can also influence uh, clients to make the right decisions, right? Because we don't make all of the decisions for them. How have you found that taking a behavioral approach to to marketing and or sales has really changed the way that advisors that you work with sell? So, so that's a great question. And uh, really, a- advisors benefit in, in a number of ways from adding the behavioral component uh, to their sales and marketing business. Uh, the first thing that happens is it really differentiates them because when they're asking about the client's personality, about their emotions, about their behaviors, that, that's a conversation that other advisors aren't having and it differentiates them in a big way. The, the second thing uh, introducing behaviors does is, is help the, the customer experience Experience. The, the client gets a lot more engaged w- when they aren't getting uh, attacked on numbers, w- when they don't have to bring in the shoebox and drag out, you know, what all their account balances are and so on. Uh, that, that, that's not a pleasant experience. And by adding behaviors to the mix, you're able to deliver an experience that's much more comfortable to the client uh, and helps them get into a position to make better decisions. And finally, you're, you're in a position where you really can influence outcomes. Uh, the day is so clear today the, that folks are, are are struggling with the decumulation decision. And if you can help them overcome some of these behavioral biases, you can help them have better retirement outcomes. Okay. You just, you just, decumulation, elaborate. So at retirement consumers, so let, let's say uh, we're talking about folks in the in the 58 to 62 age range, okay? So th- those at retirement consumers have, have hypothetically been accumulating money for their careers, right? They've been saving, they've been watching their investments, they've been managing their spending, all those good sorts of things. And and now they're, they're at a point where they're going to have to turn those accumulated dollars into an income stream. That's what we refer to as decumulation. So we move from the accumulation phase to the decumulation phase. And Bill Sharp uh, has has, uh, tackled this in the last year and a half, and he calls this the hardest problem to solve in finance today, figuring out how to manage this decumulation problem. I can't even imagine. And I mean, I'm going to have to soon, Jack, but I can't even imagine what it's like knowing that that's the last paycheck you're ever going to get. I mean, all of the savings and all of the work that you've done needs to last you for so long. Now, now I'm, I'm, so I'm teeing up the longevity conversation, but I want to back up just for a second here, talk a little bit more about the behavioral stuff. The, the clients coming in might need at some point to bring in the shoebox of all of the stuff for it, for advisors, but building that, that relationship using these behavioral techniques makes it easier for them to 
weed through, wade is a better word, wade through all of the stuff that you have to go through, the finer points, the stuff that most people don't like in working with an advisor. Do you find that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a big motivator. From a, from a behavioral perspective, thinking about when you want to retire is a pretty big question. And that, that gets into a number of biases. You know, present bias uh, is a great example. You know, should I retire now or should I wait to retire? If I retire too early, am I going to, uh, you know, regret that decision to retire early because it, it will have cost me money? Uh, so that, that whole conversation about when do you want to retire and, and even thinking about unbundling it. Today, uh, most people think about when they're going to retire and when they're going to start Social Security and their, their pension income at the same time. And that's not really required. Uh, if, you, if you help your clients uh, address that question, when do you want to retire? Let's avoid retirement regret. Let's unbundle the decision. So maybe, you know, you have your Johnny paycheck moment with your current employer, but you don't start your Social Security for, for a year or two because you're going to go do something else. You're going to do some consulting. You're going to do some independent contractor type work. So the, there are those kinds of, of conversations that you can have with clients that address their behavioral biases that that really deepen the relationship that you have and change the experience. Well, Jack, the retiring population, especially the the one that's uh, coming up through the pipeline in my generation, uh, is not looking at retirement the same way as like my my grandparents retired too. That's a conversation that I don't necessarily know if a lot of pre-retirees are are ready to have. Do you have any suggestions on how our audience can begin that conversation, especially with maybe like a Gen Xer, to have them start mentally preparing for what retirement's going to look like? Because you just said something, like maybe they're not going to take the, the pension, maybe they're not going to start Social Security so quickly because they're going to do other stuff. How, how do you have that conversation and get the client thinking differently about what retirement might look like for them? You know, it, it, I, I think uh, two things need to happen. The, the, the first is you need to have a conversation with them around behavioral uh, biases. So one part of that conversation is about when do you want to retire? Let's avoid retirement regret. The second part of that conversation is about loss aversion. We oftentimes think of loss aversion and risk tolerance in the same category, but really they're, they're hugely different concepts. In, in the case of loss aversion, what, that, that, that's based on prospect theory, and really what it's about is ownership. I'm afraid to lose my investment because I own that 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 investment. But it, it also influences the Social Security claiming decision. So if if I feel like I own the money I put into my Social Security and I want to get my money back as quickly as possible, is is a bias that's driving a lot of people to start Social Security at age 62 when when we we all know they should be waiting. And and those biases are are causing consumers, uh, you know, to leave trillions of dollars in potential benefits on the table. It, it's just a, a huge problem. So I would have those kinds of conversations with them. Let's talk about retirement regret. Let's talk about loss aversion. Let's talk about managing spending. I mean, how do you react to spending shocks, you know? If there's a hailstorm and you got to get a new roof, if the refrigerator goes out, you know, if you got to replace the car, those kinds of things happen. Uh, one in four retirees experience those shocks and, and they happen with some frequency. So if you're having those kinds of conversations with people and, and th th that's really going to be helpful to them, when do you want to retire and, and what does your retirement look like in the future? So, 
Well, let's talk about longevity, right? Because Jack, I mean, I think that's one of the things that very, very few people are are prepared for. We're living longer. Where some people are actually living longer in retirement than than they worked. How do we one? So many people think they're going to live forever until they realize they're not going to live forever, uh, which of course is a, a, a wonderful philosophical epiphany for most people. But let's talk about longevity and and what do we do. Is it a blessing? Is it a curse? How do we use that to even uh, attack maybe a multi-generational planning sort of philosophy? You've got a lot of experience with this, so what do you got? Well, that is an awesome question, uh, and and I think it's something that we're we're not talking about enough, uh, and that that is the longevity risk that that tail risk that uh, all of our clients are going to face. Are they going to outlive their money? And all the all the data says it, it's a big concern for consumers. It may not be their number one concern, depending on their, their financial circumstance, but it's definitely top five for, for most, uh, most families. And so, again, it's a behavioral question. How do you frame the conversation? Um, it, it's interesting. Some studies were done about how you ask that question, for instance. If you ask someone, when do you think you're going to die? And then you turn around and come back and, and ask them, okay, so let me ask the question a different way. How long do you think you're going to live to? Okay. The when when do you think you're going to die answer uh, for for someone who's 55 or 60 is uh, around age 75. How long do you think you're going to live to? The most common answer is age 85. There literally is a 10 year difference in in what people perceive to be their longevity depending on how you frame the question. And, and, and longevity becomes so important in so many other areas of retirement income planning. Oh, I think you should just keep going. Keep rolling, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I was like, wow, you stopped right there. Uh, okay. it, it, it keep, keep the conversation going. I, I love where you're going with this. Okay. So again, the behavioral studies show us that if if we uh, talk to, to our clients about Social Security, for instance, and Social Security claiming, I think most of us would say we, we want to encourage our clients to wait as long as possible before they start that. The, the research shows that waiting even as little as six months to start claiming your Social Security can be the same as saving an additional 2% a year for 30 years. It's, it's a huge impact in their lifetime savings. But the, the key there is to frame it uh, around the longevity question. So I might come into uh, a conversation with a client saying, you know, really, rather than taking it at 62, let's see how long we can wait to start that. Because if, if we wait to age 66, for instance, what that means to you is $8,000 a year better standard of living for the next 30 years. So that's $240,000 better standard of living that you're going to have if we can wait just a few years. So notice the two things about that. The first is we're putting it in the context of consumption, not in the context of investment. I'm not saying you're going to get $7,800 a year more from your investment in Social Security. I'm saying it's improving your standard of living. The second thing that's happening is I'm, I'm reflecting back to them how, how big a number that is relative to their, lo- their, their longevity. And obviously that presupposes that we, we've talked a little bit about longevity and life expectancy and educated them a little bit about that as we did just a, a couple seconds ago. D- does that help shed light on that? It, it does. Absolutely. Uh, everybody, all of our listeners, we're going to have a, a PDF uh, attached to the show notes that, that Jack had uh, sent to us. And there's one other component here about longevity that I want to ask you about, because there have been a lot of things that have changed in the a guaranteed uh, income market. And, and for those of you advisors who 
just throw, you know, all annuity products uh, out with the bathwater uh, because, you know, 20 years ago, you remember what they were. Well, they're not really the same. And risk tolerance and that guarantee is starting to become so much more important for these people with these longevity risks. Uh, or, or really, it's not really a risk. Well, it is a risk, I guess. But let's talk about this guarantee stuff. How do you, I'm really putting you on the spot here, Jack. How do you start a conversation with somebody who does not like the idea because of previous behavioral biases and, and, and uh, professional biases against guaranteed product? So that that's a tough question. Uh, and, and it's one, the researchers refer to it as the annuity puzzle. It makes all the sense in the world for us to have guaranteed income. And in fact, isn't that really what Social Security is, right? A guaranteed annuity. But when you get down to it and you start talking to them about specific products about single premium immediate annuities or deferred income annuities or fixed indexed annuities. When you start talking to them about specific products, then the, the audience tends to turn off. And, and what the research has, has shown us is that, again, there's a framing uh, process that you can engage in that's going to help you get your clients over that hurdle. And it, and it was really interesting. There was one particular study where they were able to segment off the people who liked uh, who disliked annuities the most from, from their, their surveys. And, and they were able to then go to those people and reframe the conversation around longevity, interestingly enough, to be able to say, okay, so how long do you think you're going to live to? Now let's look at you know, your, your income streams. And now let, let's talk about the, the benefits of, an, uh, of increasing your standard of living, assuring your standard of living over this period of time and not risking out, outliving your income. By, by reframing that conversation, they were able to change the mindset of, of a significant portion of that, that audience. I, I think the number was over 20% of the people that originally mm. did not like annuities switched to saying, yes, they did like annuities. And, and so we were able to make some progress there. The other thing that comes into play is this loss aversion question. If, if you mm -hmm. have someone who is average to maybe slightly above average in terms of feeling losses over gains, then they're more likely to, to be re receptive to the idea of annuities. So if you have a conversation with them about loss aversion and how they feel about losses versus gains, that can also be useful in the conversation about guaranteed income. You know, this this PDF that I'm looking at right now, which is supporting everything that you're saying, there, there's a couple of different pieces here that are unbelievable. One out of four people will live past the age of 90. Uh, one out of 10 will live the past of, uh, out of those. Those are women who will live past age of 85. You know, the life expectancy has changed so much. And I'm glad that we're rephrasing the conversation. Jack, when I was preparing for this podcast, uh, I typed in problems with annuities. Right, just because you know, I'm I, every once in a while I try to get a you know a loaded question like the one that I just asked you, and it's unbelievable all of the misinformation that's out there pertaining to these products because they're they're making reference to things that are really really long ago uh, and that aren't applicable in the world of annuities right now. And this is not about annuities. I want everybody to understand this. This is about changing the conversation and meeting your clients where they are and having a conversation with them about something that is very, very important to them, which is to make sure that they're going to not only maintain, but potentially even increase their quality of life over time by making some smart financial decisions. And I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Jack? 
I couldn't agree more. And uh, really, I, I want to tie this back to the whole concept of uh, sales and marketing for, for the audience. The, this whole thing that we've been focusing on where we talk about client experience and improving that client experience, if you, if you haven't seen the, the data, client experience is more important than product or price as, in terms of driving a buying decision. So if you're looking to get a new client, if you focus on the experience, it's something like 50% versus 30% uh, for price and product. So it, it, it's, a, it's a target-rich environment. And then if you, if you then couple that with the money in motion that's out there today, we, we have at-retirement consumers who, who are facing this decumulation decision. And, and Cerule tells us those people are clueless about how to handle it. They are in great need of, of financial advice. And it, to date, uh, something like less than 40% of them have engaged with a financial advisor. So there, there's a 60% open field, if you will, for folks that are clueless about how to handle the decision that most financial advisors can walk them through. Those people are, are going to disintermediate their assets from those pension plans. There's going to be lots of IRA rollover opportunities. That, that's why we're so excited about changing the conversation around behavior, changing the conversation about longevity and really getting engaged with these folks you know, who are struggling with decumulation. So it, it really ties back to business development, ultimately. Well, let's, let's talk about your organization and, and how you help our audience with this stuff. Would you, would you mind uh, telling us a little bit about how you can help train them to have these conversations or marketing materials or anything along those lines? Sure. So our, our group does brand and marketing management for financial institutions. And so we typically are engaged by insurance companies, broker dealers, RIA TAMPs, asset managers, IMOs, BGAs, those kinds of folks. And what they engage us to do is to help them build more and deeper relationships with financial advisors. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, where we are is at the tip of the spear with helping advisors locate those ideal prospects, formulate their value proposition, and then uh, execute on that value proposition with those prospects. So uh, most of our work is done through institutions, but I'd, I'd be happy to, to field questions from folks if they'd, they'd like a little bit of additional information on this subject. Well, Jack, I think they're going to. I think that there are going to be listeners out there who say, you know, wow, I totally identify with everything that Jack said. I'd love to have the opportunity to, to pick his brain or, or people on your team. What is the best way for them to reach out to you? Sure. Matt, I assume we're going to post the email. It's jlmartin at eliteadvisorgroup.com. That really is the easiest way. Uh, we, we run a pretty hectic schedule. So contacting me there is, is the easiest approach, I think. Yep, and we'll have your email and also your website and also a link to your LinkedIn profile uh, because I, I like some of the stuff that you post there. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Closing statements or ideas or bits, uh, little bits of wisdom that you'd like to pass on to our listeners before we sign off today. I would say think about changing the client experience. Uh, I, I keep harping on that, but it, today, from a from a sales and marketing perspective, we we think about the the customer decision journey. Uh, we we think about how Mister Mr. and Mrs. Brown woke up this morning in Amarillo, Texas. You know, put on the fuzzy slippers, went over to the Mister Coffee, uh, and they didn't think about going out to to hire a financial advisor, but they they did think about. 
what what's going to happen when I I don't work at AT and T or IBM anymore? What is that world going to look like for me? And what are, what are the challenges that I'm going to face? Where's my paycheck going to come from? You know, what are the 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 issues that I need to address in terms of Medicare uh, and my healthcare coverage? What are what are the issues I need to talk about or think about in terms of Social Security and and all these myriad of questions that are coming at them? When that happens, you want to be top of the mind. And I know Matt, your group does a great job. Of, of, of helping advisors build that top-of-the-mind awareness. But really, that's the first step in that customer decision journey. And, and then if you're positioning yourself across that journey to, to be the trusted advisor, to, to provide them uh, with, with ways to have these conversations about when to retire, about loss aversion, about how to manage spending, about longevity, about Medicare, those kinds of, of, of conversation points, uh, th- then you're going to be different than 90% of the financial advisors out there and you're going to have a world of success. Make sure that you're changing the conversation and changing the customer experience. Remember, uh, in life and when you're in a service-oriented and an advice-oriented field, it's not about you. It's really truly about what the client needs and wants. So when you can go into uh, a conversation Without all of the baggage that you might have from whatever reasons you have the baggage, you're just going to have a much better client experience. They're going to realize that you're going to meet them where they're at, uh, not where you're trying to push them to be. So, Jack, thank you very, very much for your thought leadership today and Sharon. Oh, thank you very much, Matt. Have a great day. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, click it subscribe. It'd be super. Uh, iTunes rating would be really appreciated. And if you have any podcast guest ideas or topic ideas, which by the way, are starting to come in, uh, we've got a couple of really neat people who reached out to us on social media. Connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Matt Halloran. I'm pretty much the first person that comes up. You can send me a message. You can connect with me, or you can email me at Matt at Top Advisor M, and that M is for marketing. Uh, com, and we'll be more than happy to take a look at who you want to have on the show or uh, what sort of topics that you have. So for everybody at the Elite Advisors Group and all of us at Top Advisor Marketing, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.